0: This is the book is better podcast.
1: Podcast.
0: That's great. Oh my God.
1: We do use the word goofy when we describe ourselves. Yes. (laughs) What's that? But that was that <laughs> ble- ear bleeding a little bit but you know what? what we're
2: giving the people what they want it's us singing that's why they listen Silly. to our audio talking
1: podcast <laughs>
2: to the Book is Better podcast. We are a clean podcast of a mom, dad, brother, and sister reviewing book-to-film adaptations. We are reviewing The Shining today to celebrate spooky season. Uh, and if you have some younger listeners, as which is becoming usual, I guess. We do talk about some more adult or intense themes, particularly because of the topic of today's episode. And I will also warn you that if you have not seen the movie, it is rated R and it is rated R for a fairly extended, uh, nudity and particularly weird, freaky violence and language. So, um, don't recommend watching it with any younger viewers, but we are just super excited to have you listening with us today. Um, I'm Rebecca. I'm going to give you a little fun fact about myself and uh, then we'll we'll each introduce ourselves. My name is Rebecca. I am the daughter slash sister of the the family here. And today's fun fact, we're going to talk about movie theater habits. This was actually mom's idea. I think it's a really good one. And so we are pretty big movie goers. We go see movies a lot. So we have, I actually have both a movie pass and an AMC, <laughs> uh, the fancy stuff where you get all the movies for free or whatever. I really overpay if I'm being honest for both. Um, but my movie theater habits, I guess I use an app called Run P and I I get so stressed out anytime that I can't turn it on. And so before the movie starts, we like, I want to get there early. I want to be able to see all the previews, get our drinks, like do whatever we're going to do. And then I download, uh, the, the timer for the run P app. And you have to literally like either pay for a subscription or watch a bunch of ads. It's, very intensive. But once you start the timer, it tells you exactly when to start the timer on the movie. And you hit the button when you start the timer, and then it'll vibrate and tell you like 30 and 60 seconds ahead of time when a good pee time is. That way, when I inevitably have to go to the bathroom mid-movie, I can go to the bathroom and read a recap of whatever the slightly boring scene was. And so, yeah, when we get to movies late and I can't do run pee, I get very like distressed especially if it's like the first time I've seen it so that is my weird habit that's theatrical
3: paranoia
0: a little bit of a weird (laughs) habit something I I have a similar habit but I'm less prepared I'm Josiah I'm the brother slash son of the family and If I'm really, I've kind of figured it out as, you know, the family will recognize this trait, but I've figured out more about it as I've grown older. Um, I go to the restroom constantly in movies. I will go, during some movies I'll go six times. And uh, the family doesn't believe how often I go. They're like, did you you get it all out? I don't know if that's too graphic. When you went last time? (laughs) And I probably should download this app, but I think I figured out it's because whenever it's a movie that has actually gripped me, that has put me in my suspension of disbelief, I'm in the story, I'm in the movie, it's got my blood pumping, it's got the the tension and the suspense up. So I think it only happens for movies that are actually entertaining but that's my, that's my uh, habit. It's not a habit I've chosen, but it is a habit that I partake in.
3: <laughs> I so I'm Donna. I'm the wife, mom of the crew. And.
2: Oh, we're introducing a new word for it. Crew. Oh, now we're mm-hmm. a crew. I like it.
3: That is very <laughs> special. And I didn't even think of, it was so spontaneous. My, my habit, we do our best to get in about 10, 15 minutes before trailer starts. It's not the end of the world, but I do like to see the trailers. We go Same. to the counter. We get the tickets. I get straws and napkins. I run to the restroom, come back out, help Tim carry the popcorn in. We get to our seat, and I separate the napkins, and I get 14 napkins every time. And we use two straws. I, I don't know why, because we drink after <laughs> do each Do you other, actually count 14 napkins? I count out 14 napkins. <laughs> and I sit down and oh, then Tim oh. has his ritual that I'll let him share. But, um, and then I make sure, but then I get my phone out next. And then when he sat down, then I have the popcorn on my lap and I have it ready for us to eat. I've seen
2: this ritual a lot, but I like, I did not know the extent how of the preparation it was. and
0: ritualistic no, enough. I, I and th- mildly I it was OCD it is being <laughs>
1: weird and random <laughs> Perhaps not mildly, but
3: it's like yeah. telling your parents something you did when you were little, but you don't tell them till you're 30. Sorry. Yeah, I, I did that with my mom. What, it's
0: coming yeah. up on my 30th. So get ready.
1: <laughs> oh dear. Um, I am Tim. I am the husband and dad of of our group, and uh, I have I have a few habits. Um, sometimes we realize, even though we've just had supper, we still get popcorn. Um, it's just something to do. I'm sure it's it's a nervous habit uh, for that, <laughs> but um, I'll do the popcorn. I mean, you don't want to get
2: hungry in the middle right, of the movie and exactly. not have a snacky snack.
1: And if I, if I don't get something sweet for after that, then I end up going out sometime during the movie to do the same thing. When I decide I really don't need it, but then I end up wanting it anyway. The other part of Did my ritual a is,
2: and then you go to, go to sweet.
1: <laughs> the other part of my ritual is after, after I've gotten the popcorn, I get several napkins Probably I don't count them, but I get several napkins and for a long time, uh, Donna looked at me strange. I got napkins. Why do you need them? Well, um, I always go to the restroom. None of the restrooms we go to now have paper towels and I can't stand (laughs) hand dryers. They take too long. And I mean, you're in a place where you want to get in and out as quickly as possible. So I keep them in my back pocket for when I go to the restroom and uh, then I can wash my hands and dry them as I'm walking back to the theater and not waste the time. So that's I think what I think about through all
0: this is that we are a very nervous family.
1: <laughs> Apparently we've got like,
3: some nervous ticks here. <laughs> we've genuinely tried not to get popcorn if we've just had dinner <laughs> and we get we might get a half hour into the movie and look at each other and go, Oh my gosh, we have to popcorn. <laughs> I, hate that. I wish yeah. that was not I true, like, it's true.
2: Also, the 14 napkins. I mean, I feel like I need a t-shirt Okay, there's, there's
3: logic. There is logic. What two is the Two of logic? the napkins, because they're very thin, two okay. of the napkins go on my on my leg to set the popcorn box on.
0: <laughs> okay, and sure.
3: And then that's six apiece, and that's enough for us to clean our hands from the oh, butter.
0: Because okay. Dad okay. is a huge butterer. I, I thought you were about to say, got two on one leg, two on the other, two on each shoulder, (laughs) two on top of the head, and then two, one each for my feet. I I vote the next time you go to the theater
2: that you get 28 napkins (laughs) and you do Josiah's opinion of what he thought you were going to do and then take a picture. And we can share that with our (laughs) lovely audience. that would be
3: cool. I love that. I'll try to break it. I'll try.
2: Mom, why don't you take it away and tell us what this whole story is about?
3: The main character of The Shining is Jack Torrance. He is an aspiring writer and he was a school teacher as well. You find in the book that he was removed from his teaching position because of some issues that I'll get to here in a second. Um, But Jack's hired as the winter caretaker at the Overlook Hotel. It is an isolated resort in the Colorado Rockies and from the, uh, Beginning of fall, September up, up into the fall, September to yes, yeah, September to April. The hotel is closed because they end up getting snowed in, so it's too difficult to get there, and you couldn't get guests in and out, and not financially feasible, blah, blah, blah. Jack uh, is a recovering alcoholic, and part of his alcoholism manifests in anger issues, and you discover pretty early on that Danny, his son, who is now in the book, he's uh, in the story, he's five. Danny had ended up with a broken arm over a very unintentional accident, and Jack lost it. Um, so they uh, had a crisis, you know, crisis of conscience here. Jack drops the alcohol; he stops drinking, and in the in the book, he's about fourteen months sober. In the movie, he makes a mention of about five months. Uh, then the other character besides Jack and his son is his wife, Wendy. Wendy is uh, desperately in love with Jack. They, they do love each other. They do show that to us in some way in both book and movie. Um, but she does have great concern and fear over Jack. She's not afraid to leave him if he can't get his stuff together. Okay, here's where things start to kind of go separate ways. Um, you've got uh, a trip. He Danny begins having frightening visions, and he he knows knows or suspects they're connected to the hotel before they get there. Um, but the visions are like two murdered sisters who who look identical. Um, he he sees a woman for a little bit, and I think some of the visions get kind of weird at different times. He sees different things. Um, Danny has a, an imaginary friend called Tony that sometimes shares these things with him, sometimes leads him, tells him what to do, tells him what's coming up. Um, Tony in the movie is portrayed with Danny wiggling his index finger, like a kind of like a little finger puppet and Danny's voice. He changes his voice to,
0: Kind of like this an alien voice,
3: yeah. It, it's it's kind of a garbled, a little bit garbled. Rod, Rod, yes. I read rum, yes. yes. Hey. In the <laughs> yeah, in the book, Tony has a separate voice that Danny hears, and so the little difference there. But I, I get it. I get the totally get the movie part. Jack attempts to remain a little sane longer in the book than he does the movie. Uh, in the in the movie. He he's pretty strange. He's pretty weird from the get go. Um, It's not it's not like he's immediately going to fall apart. But but he's a little more uh, the the craziness is a little more obvious sooner in the in the movie. Uh, In the book, Wendy's a strong woman. She's incredibly beautiful, blonde. Um, She does have some of her own family baggage she deals with. She has fears and concerns for her family. But still, she's a pretty solid person. In the movie, Wendy's timid from the outset, and Shelley Duvall is 180 degree opposite from her. In from the I don't character. think that's...
2: En- I don't, is that enough degrees?
3: <laughs> Dear Lord. It, it's... I, I struggle with that part. Never mind. So once they're alone, they all begin seeing or hearing things, maybe they'll walk past something and out of the corner of their eye it will look different. And, and this, this kind of happens at different times for them, but they all realize something's going on. Um, Danny had met the cook in uh, the hotel before the staff left. He was introduced to Mr. Halloran who helped him understand that these voices, this Tony he hears, and the things that he knows, and, and it, he has these telepathic abilities. And they're called, well, Mr. Halloran says his mother always called them the shining. And he says he has a little bit of it too, and he's worried for Danny. And so before he leaves for his winter retreat, he says, you know, just get let me know, call out, and, and you're so strong, basically, I'm, I'll probably hear you in Florida. So, Danny's visions start getting heavier and, and quicker, faster, and, and a little more um, frequent. Jack, his he's into this uh, um, constant struggle with wanting to drink again, but he said he wouldn't, but he wants to. And the stress of the hotel gets him by throwing us into overdrive. Uh, he walks into the ballroom. And encounters the, uh, encounters the barkeep who produces all this alcohol in front of him, and none of this is real, right? This is all hallucination. Mm. <laughs> uh, Danny gets lured into a room by some unseen forces. In the book, he describes Danny going in the room and what he sees. In the movie, this happens by you see him walk in the room. Then when he goes to, then you see him go to his mother, his shirt's torn, and he's got marks on him and bruises on him. Um, Jack is completely convinced it was Danny. Danny says it wasn't. And then Jack ends up going to check that room, and this is the scene where we talked about before where there's some nudity involved, and he sees this woman, and and she's like, you know, she ended up, They we find out that she was, Drowned in the bathtub uh, years and years and years ago, and it's her ghost or whatever. They never really put a term, for, give you a term for it. The movie uh, just shows
2: a very gross-looking rotting corpse.
3: Yes, Ooh. yes. <laughs> um, we get at this point, Danny realizes he needs to call out for Halloran, and he tries that. He hollers for him, and as The Shining would have it, Mister Halloran hears it in Florida makes a mad dash to get up to Colorado in the best way he can. While he's on his trip, Wendy has become fully aware that Jack is, is losing it. He's not doing the things he was supposed to be doing while they were there. He's not working on the manuscript. He started extremely creepy scene, which I love that scene. He's not doing research. I mean, he's just out of it. Jack goes fully over the edge because Wendy's trying to talk to him. He tries to kill Wendy and Danny, chases them up, chases her up to their room. Great scene on the on the stairs, going out of the hotel, lobby up to the stairs up to the floors. And Wendy and Danny are able to get away in the book. Halloran makes it there by traveling the last several hours in a snowmobile. Danny realizes that. Jack has not adjusted the boiler temperature and it's an old rickety thing that you have to mess with every day. He knows it's going to explode and it'll blow up the the hotel. Jack is trapped inside and is killed when the explosion happens. And Wendy, Danny and Halloran escape on the snowmobile and are able to get away. They survive in the movie. uh, Wendy and Danny run, get out of their room, run out to the maze, and Jack trails behind them far enough that they can get ahead and probably because of his his madness at this point, he can't get to them and he ends up freezing to death. And then at the end of the movie, um, you see this photograph in the hotel hall- hallway of this massive group of people in the ballroom dressed in formal clothing and Jack's picture standing at the front of the crowd of party revelers with the date of July 4th 1921 so much so much i so
2: i yeah. was yeah i mean let's talk differences yeah. in this but let me just say okay i have a confession to make um so <clears throat> when we started to, like talking about doing this podcast i was like i'm going to buy the books and the movies. Like I'm going to purchase physical copies of all this stuff, whatever. The Shining was the first book I bought for... The book is better. And so when I looked at the book, I was like, oh yeah, like it's kind of, I remember like I had this vague recollection of watching it years and years ago. And I was like, yeah, it's just like this weird, like creepy kind of, you know, um, Alfred Hitchcock-esque movie. Like it's more like thriller than anything, like no big deal. Like there's snow, I don't know. And I just had this like vague memory. So I like, I was reading it and I'm like, okay, I I don't remember this plot at all. And Whatever, and so I, I start watching the movie actually partway through my read. I had not finished. Um, I, <laughs> I had a memory of watching Fargo it wasn't this movie <laughs> and oh so I goodness. was like I'm like reading I'm reading this and watching and I'm like oh my gosh I'm so sorry I'm so sorry if you feel no like I have this subjected so you to something this I was like, like oh Omaha, my gosh Nebraska
0: this is... situation you know Fargo is in North Dakota right
3: <laughs> yes <laughs> there I are do. stories about how you navigate on trips so I you know I guess I guess we
2: don't have to get into all those. I did think Omaha was a state, but in my defense, it's because Omaha state mutual has very memorable commercials. And I just thought, why would you say Omaha state if Omaha wasn't a state anyway? Okay. (sighs) But I was, I was, I would say, let's do you mind if we start with the change at the very end about Mr. Halloran?
3: Yeah, sure. sure. That's fine.
2: I, so I watched Like I said, I watched like half the movie and then I finished the last hundred pages or so of the book. And I'm like, okay, so like The Shining, you know, the hotel blows up. Mr. Halloran, though, is able to rescue them. He gets, you know, his face gets kind of busted by the croquet mallet, whatever. But he like is able to take Wendy and Danny.
0: Roke mallet. A roke mallet. I'm so sorry. It's It's a predecessor of croquet.
2: I see. That's right. That's right. I vaguely remember that as like a thing. So I... Then in, I, I go back and I'm like, okay, I've got like the last hour and whatever of the movie. So Halloran's like working to get up there, all this stuff. And then he's killed. Like as soon as Jack sees him, he
1: there just gets there, Useless then, in the movie for oh, him to be it's there. A
2: point. The only thing that happened was that there was a snowcat Snowmobile. that they could actually take after Jack had had you know, disabled the other one, but I was like, it's so stupid. He just kills him like immediately. And I'm thinking, Oh, he'll get up and then there's a shot and he's
3: not breathing. Mm -hmm. So Josiah, as an author, what could be the possible thought? Because not only are you an author, but you've also directed theatrical theater plays and musicals. What could have been the thought in Kubrick's head? to spend the time with Scatman Crothers, who was well loved. I mean, people love, he's a great, he's a great actor. What would be the point of using him, go through all the filming of him getting up there for Jack to just bash him to death? Can you think, I I mean, I don't really
0: like it, but, um, I think he does. This is a great example of, I wish I had watched the movie before reading the book. Um, Because these expectations were in my head. But as a movie, I think that it works. I think it's an original idea to film a person going to save uh, Wendy and Danny and setting up that expectation to subvert it with him dying. Mm. But then satisfyingly, he did provide the only way that Wendy and Danny could get off of the mountain with the second snowcat. So True. I think that that works from a story standpoint. Um I think that there's an issue if you want to talk about uh the token black character always dying in movies mm-hmm. that Stephen King did not do. He I don't know how purposefully, but he did subvert that um you know, some would say harmful trope and then Stanley Kubrick added it back in. So that that's yeah. one consideration. Um, but I think if I would have watched the movie before the book, I would have minded it less. It would have been like, oh my goodness, no, he didn't. Uh, I I think it was meant to, Kubrick was all about disorienting the audience. And honestly, Stephen King, you know, he's not, he's not perfect. I think it was a weird choice to, uh, how do I, I say, to, telegraph everything that Dick Halloran did getting up to the Overlook Hotel in the book mm-hmm. because um, I loved that. I liked how it was like a ticking time bomb and he was trying yeah. to get up there. And uh, I, I think the successful thing about it was that you saw how long it took for him to do every step. And so that built suspense. But right. on the yeah. other hand, he, he ends up saving them. And that's exactly what the audience expected would happen. Stephen King was like, look at this guy who's coming to save Wendy and Danny. And then he comes and saves Wendy and Danny. So it's less of a shock. It's less of a surprise. um, Well, and I remember reading reading
2: that section. I thought it was very interesting that the Halloran thing, the first thing that happens, he like, you know, goes off the side of the road. He literally almost. Drives off a cliff because mm-hmm. he doesn't know how to drive in snow. It's this horrible storm, whatever. And then a tow truck driver or something like that or a snowplow driver snow plow pulls driver. him off uh, of the cliff. Mm-hmm. The snowplow driver also shines and, like, tells him, bit. yeah, he shines as well. And so he tells him a little bit about, you know, his friend and go get the snowcat thing, whatever. But it was weird because they jump, they're jumping back between, like, Wendy and Danny or Wendy trying to, like, escape from Jack and all the stuff, and then they go back to Halloran. And when they go back to Halloran the next time, it's like Halloran did indeed make it to the Overlook Hotel, and then they explain the next several hours of his journey. And I'm like, well, why would you, like, it was like he purposefully took that part of the surprise out of it because I think what I was wondering, because, like I said, I read... I liked that I finished the book before finishing the end of the movie. And what I kept wondering was going to happen was like, is he going to arrive at the hotel? It's a horror. Like we know it's not like a happy movie. And so is he going to arrive at the hotel just in time to see them dead? You Mm -hmm. know, like that's what I thought was going to happen.
1: So one of the things, uh, one of the things that I thought about with the ending of the, of the movie and the ending of the book um, had to do with, um, the the theme uh, the theme of possession there's actually um, in the in the book the hotel is possessed there it is it is an entity uh, in and of itself and it is trying to well
2: and it attract is possessing
1: and it is possessing yes and and all of that so the way that the book ends with the boiler that that uh jack has supposed to have been watching out for through the whole winter time and keeping a close eye on it. He's forgotten today because he's obsessed with um, getting rid of his son and wife who are keeping him from being uh, elevated at the hotel to a position of honor. Um, but I, I really appreciate the fact that the hotel blows up, that the, the boiler yeah. blows up and the hotel goes up in smoke. That was a much more satisfying ending than the ending in the movie where you think he he's probably going to freeze to death. You don't see that happen um you don't see Wendy and Danny after they've gotten away um i don't I don't think I remember that we watch I watched the movie before I listened to the it book ends. so.
2: It ends on that. It's just the pull away, driving the, away, the, and the, you or the, get the picture. picture,
1: the photo. Fo- you get, no, you get the picture of
2: him with the yeah.
1: Right, photograph. you get the photograph that he's been part of the hotel, but it in the movie it seems like Kubrick liked some of the things of the book and wanted to use them, like the fact that the the hotel possesses people and there are bad things have happened there. And this thing is continually going on. It seems like this party, um, he liked some of the elements, but he doesn't use enough of them in the movie to explain it at all. And my understanding is there's, there's some parts of the movie that were filmed that weren't used in the theatrical release because they were more confusing. <laughs> they confused it even more but I like mm. the way that the book ended as opposed to the way that the movie ended. So, uh,
0: so I definitely oh. want you to, to have your opinion and this is not to like change your mind or anything, but oh. just to put my two cents in, I uh, didn't love the boiler exploding mm. because at the beginning of the book, they go down and the work guy, that's like the most foul mouthed character in the book, Uh, tells Jack all about the boiler and maybe it's Stuart Allman who tells him about the boiler. Um, But one of them is talking about the the boiler. And as I'm reading it, I'm like, oh, okay. So that's how the, that's what's going to happen at the end of the book. Otherwise we wouldn't be talking about this boiler that, and in my head I was thinking, why would you ever buy something that
1: could explode your hotel
3: yeah. <laughs> well, well the, and in the movie... You're that, talking
1: about foreshadowing, though, and that that was probably more common than than it is right now, uh, foreshadowing in books and movies. We want to give you the little tidbits of how you could solve this. When you get to the end, you'll look back and say, oh, yeah, that was it. That was the thing. But I just thought,
3: too, with the movie, knowing the boiler was so important, they end the movie with Wendy and Danny and Halloran gone and Jack frozen in the maze. But the hotel doesn't blow up. What? So it's almost yeah. like there's a little undone. Well, wasn't
2: there a sequel? Didn't they do a sequel movie? I wonder if that's why Kubrick uh, made that decision. The
0: sequel movie, Dr. Sleep, came out three, four years ago. I watched it. Is it, it oh. okay that we don't cover that one? Is it?
2: Yeah, I don't know what's in it. I didn't mention spoilers for that.
0: I I think Stephen King wrote in like 2013 a sequel to his book The Shining, and Mm -hmm. then the movie tried to reconcile the differences so that it was a sequel to both the book and the movie. So it doesn't.
2: I like I knew there was
3: a sequel, but I didn't know if it.
2: No, Stanley Cooper had nothing to do with
0: that.
3: So I'm gonna bring out my most frustrating difference, and And? it's Wendy. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my okay. God. And it, there is, I did, I did come across a, a possible reason, and I'll share that, but in the movie, or in the novel, Wendy is constantly going back and forth between, I don't want to be with a man who could be volatile like this, I don't want to do that, and the fact that she does want to keep them together, and that she does do genuinely love Jack. So she's balancing that constantly, right? She's trying to be concerned about him, but she also gets angry with him and she's described as beautiful. She's headstrong. She's resilient. Um, You know, intelligent, educated, she's intelligent and she's blonde and they make reference to her being incredibly beautiful in the movie. She's less self-reliant. She has no confidence she wears the she's a little southern clothes i have ever seen in my life he gives her a southern accent which with the bugly clothes really makes me mad she's meek she's nervous and her role in the movie it's less than what's in the book but i and i'm sorry i mean shelly duvall i think she's done some good things i don't think she's a bad person but she's homely and ugly. I'm sorry, Shelley Duvall. Oh, no. Please don't be angry with me if you ever hear this. But putting you in that movie <laughs> with straight hair, they could have Ugh. left her hair dark and made it pretty.
0: I don't I think get Stanley it. Kubrick hated her
3: okay. um, so and wanted to torture her. This was the I did not write this. This came from a, a review I was reading with with differences and stuff in the movie. Said so Kubrick seemed to think a woman would have to be stupid to stay with a formerly mm-hmm. drunken abuser, while King seemed to believe that there was more nuance to it.
0: Yeah, I was reading articles and in, in interviews, and yeah. I, I think I think Kubrick might have gone on the record, or maybe it was King talking about why Kubrick changed mm-hmm. Wendy because. Uh, Wendy's change is one of Stephen King's most hated changes, the the author of the book. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, I think whereas in the book, there's so much nuance and we do get her internal monologue a lot. And so maybe that's where the nuance can arise from, but, uh, whether Kubrick thought that a woman, um, would an intelligent woman would not stay with such a volatile person or, Possibly, maybe I'll give him credit, and maybe he thought that he couldn't give her the same nuance as the internal monologue in the book gives her. Um Kubrick made her a lot less independent and ultra intelligent.
1: Yeah. yeah. There was
2: very little conflict in her acting. Yeah. And I don't okay, I will I will give you this. duval. I would say is a fantastic actor, but was not, she was given a role that like felt very uh, flat and one-sided for the movie. And obviously she did not physically look like the character, but I had also uh, read one of our little pieces of trivia that Kubrick has only had one film nominated at the Razzie award for worst director and worst actress Um, in the first year that that award was given and, uh, Duvall was nominated as worst actress. Now they did retract that in 2022 last year. Um, but I don't think it was necessarily, why why did they retract it?
0: Well, they, the reason they gave was because the news of, of Kubrick's treatment of her had come out in, in years, but that was, you know, probably years and years. So you weren't being
2: dramatic. He did mistreat her.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah. I Jack, were just being no, funny. yeah, Jack Nicholson and Shelley Duvall. Yes. And I th- I think a few other people are like, Stanley Kubrick was awful to work with. He'll make you do 100 takes. And sometimes it seemed as though he was making them do like 200 takes of the same shot over and over again so that the actor was genuinely distressed and it would come out in the character she, on screen. Oh she
3: was so traumatized by his direction. And that scene on the stairs He had her to the point where they had to medicate her. She and she's this is all stuff she and and Nicholson have talked about later. Um, Scatman Crothers said after the movie with Kubrick. He was in a movie that uh, Mm -hmm. Clint Eastwood.
0: I mean, not Clint Eastwood. It was Clint Eastwood. um, Yeah, it was Clint Eastwood.
3: Yeah. Clint Eastwood directed. And they he did his the first day of filming. They did his first scene. And Eastwood's known for one take. He wants one take. Mm-hmm. He wrapped it, said, that's a that's great. Carruthers went to him and fell on him and started crying and said, I can't believe. Oh, my gosh. I, I'm so thankful. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. And and they were out about it. But that's the, the funny part of that is Nicholson and, and Duvall both said, however, it was, even though it was terrible as they describe it, it was one of the, it was... It, it was a positive experience in the fact of what they learned. Like they wouldn't go back and redo it, but they they can see that they gained from it.
2: Yeah. To Lord.
0: finish the the Razzie story. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. The reason it was March, I don't know why I remember this date. March twenty second, I think was the day uh, that they were cinded the Razzie said March nomination 31, Ma- 2022. March 31 of twenty twenty two. That's what it is. Yeah. Um, I believe that was the same day or the day after. They rescinded Bruce Willis's nomination um, because they came out with a one time category of worst Bruce Willis performance of the year because he had appeared in eight (laughs) movies that year and most of them were pretty bad. But then the family came out and said, hey, Bruce Willis is retiring from acting because he has been uh, diagnosed with aphasia or something. I don't know Mm -hmm. what it is, but some sort of. Cognitive disorder, I think. And uh, so I think the Razzies actually rescinded that whole category because they're like, now we understand it's a more sensitive topic and and there's medical stuff. And in the same vein, they just rescinded Shelley Duvall's as well. Um, What do you think about this? I I think I have an opinion on this, but I want to hear your thoughts (laughs) before I say it. So the fact that there were no topiaries in the movie, but it seemed to have been
1: replaced with the hedge maze, and but then the hedge maze doesn't have as much to do with the plot. I mean, it that's it, true. Yeah, it's there, and but it's and not possessed. They go in it, but it doesn't. It doesn't help with the psychosis oh. because in the book, the the hedge animals are part of the hallucinations mm-hmm. uh, or right. are they hallucinations you know you that's so a big question so just to clarify
2: Clarify for those who have either never seen or read it or have not read the book, but have seen the movie in the book. There are huge topiaries like animals made out of hedges and they come alive at the beginning of the hallucinations. It's more like Jack hears them behind him and he'll turn around and they're in different positions and closer to him. And by the end of the movie, they're literally attacking Halloran. Like they're physically, you can see them attacking you as if they're real animals. Mm -hmm. And in the book, when uh the when the boiler blows up and the hotel explodes, they actually catch fire and they end up back in their original positions and Halloran realizes they're dead they' I think it is Halloran, but it might have been Danny they're dead and realizes they go to back to their initial positions because they're dead but anyway
0: I think that the topiary animals would have looked stupid, and I think visually. that the hedge, the hedge ma- visually on a, on a movie screen, and I think that the hedge maze. As soon as it's mentioned, every audience member is like, oh, someone's going to get trapped in there. Uh, So I think it's a a pretty good use of transferring a a book story to a visual medium. But, yeah, I, I think, Daddy, that you hit the nail on the head that the hedge maze doesn't have hotel characters in it. Right. And so I think it feels separate. And it's the climax of the film. It's it's um,
1: iconic for Jack to be chasing Danny there. Yeah, I think he uh, Kubrick could have used the hedge maze because it was it was easier to film than hedge animals that might legitimately look Mm -hmm. silly uh, because of the they would be completely CGI. Um, But he could have used uh, he could have used some of the some of the characters that Jack was seeing, you know, the party goers disappearing into the maze, or you know, just a, a glimpse of them as they went in to to make a connection. But there's no connection someone like that, that died in the maze. Yeah,
2: mm, that's good. And I, yeah, I think that could have added a little depth to
3: it. Um, what do you all? I know we're doing kind of kind of separate differences, but is there just a short few sentences you would say about what each of you think about the difference in Tony? Because Tony in the book, creepy, it it was creepy, his whole thing. And I didn't mind the movie part with Danny and the little finger and wiggling his finger and speaking. I I get that. But in the book, I mean, both both of them were creepy. But what do you think about the difference there? Can you think of another way Tony could have been used in the movie? differently or or do you think it was better
2: it was the thing it was the thing about the movie that drove me the most like insane i was so mad well yeah well i don't like wendy's portrayal i guess they're probably you know one of them is a close second to the other but i in the book i loved danny like Mm -hmm. he was such a sweet boy that like he didn't really understand what was going on and um I I'll kind of interrupt myself here to just describe this cuz someone asked me about it yesterday. What is the shining like the thing that they call the shine or the shining? And it's kind of a combination of telepath like telepathic abilities uh, precognition and some clairvoyance in general. So like they kind of know stuff that's going on at the same time. They know stuff that might happen and then they can communicate or hear other people's thoughts. Like other people that shine, you can like, they can kind of communicate clearly and have conversations. People that don't shine, Danny heard his parents' thoughts when in the book, you know, before the whole hotel, he'd heard her thinking the word divorce, but they'd been very conscious not to say the word divorce in front of Danny. And like, all of this stuff, like, builds this character that's this sweet kid who has this ability that he knows is kind of different. And, like, there's obviously some, like, you know, weirdness to it and there's some creepiness to it or whatever. But, Tony, in the movie, it's just, like, you make the kid this little, like, demon-possessed child. Like, it wasn't... I. It was just so... Yeah. um evil. It felt very evil. Whereas in the book, it did not, it felt like Tony genuinely like wanted Danny to be okay. And, um, you know, had his best interest at heart. And I, I hated the way that they use the little voice like this and the finger wagging and like all of that stuff. I just wish that it had be, you know, whether it was like a voice off screen or like a different tenor to Danny's voice. I just, I did not like that.
0: I think that the finger wagging and the funny voice. Ooh, did what Kubrick was going for, which I can appreciate, especially if I don't think about the book's version of Tony. But here's something that made me feel stupid, and I don't know if if you guys went through the same thing, but I do not remember in the book, I, and I'm a horrible reader, I'll admit that, and I'm, I'm embarrassed, but I do not remember in the book where it is revealed. But then it's whenever I'm like looking back at all of these synopses and articles about the shining it's like oh yeah this is just something we figured out in the book i don't remember in the book where they where you figure out that it's danny in the future and that tony is short for anthony which is danny's middle name
2: They do mention that. It's in the very end, like, of the... Or it might be in the epilogue. I'm trying to remember. They basically tell you, you don't know this until the end of the book, his middle name, Danny's middle name is Anthony. And so Tony is short for Anthony. And so he was always intended by King to be... Tony was, like, his older self talking to younger Danny. And so in the 1990s miniseries that King... Because King did not like... Yeah, Kubrick's you know version of the film at all. They use Stephen King's original screenplay that he'd written, you know, to convert this for that mini series. And they make there's like I think there's an ending scene where you see Tony or Danny in high school, and you realize like that the voice that was Tony was actually just Danny older. Hmm. And so they do tie that back in in the mini series.
0: Yeah, I missed that.
2: I wanted to mention it because I thought it was really fascinating. It's very yeah. subtle. It was, it was like a sentence. Like it didn't, they didn't make it. He didn't make a big deal about it.
1: A big thing to be subtle, but I guess that's okay. Okay. Here's my just... opinion about the, about the Tony thing. And it ties into, to the whole change of the movie. Um, I felt like Kubrick just made Danny creepy, weird with that, mm-hmm. uh, with yep. the Tony thing he seemed he seemed to to make a movie about a man who gradually goes crazy because of the isolation yeah the book is really a book about a man who goes goes crazy but because the hotel is possessed and possessing him and bit by bit, you know, just continues to, uh, to strengthen, uh, the things about him that he feels terrible about, you know, he's, mm-hmm. he's never been successful, but he doesn't blame himself for it. And the hotel picks up on that. And so blames everybody else for it. It was, you know, the student that he beat up, it was his fault that that happened. The people that caused him to lose his job. It was all their fault, nothing he did. And it was, you know, Danny and Wendy wanted him to leave the hotel and this was his best opportunity and all those things. I, I feel like they were two very different themes to the book and the movie.
2: That leads me into one of the other things that I wanted to talk about because I agree. I like a lot of that perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, I I did not understand the thought process of why Jack was portrayed the way he was in the film, I guess. Yeah. Okay. To be fair, the film basically gives you a creepy horror movie. Like there's a reason that this episode is coming out in October. Like, you know, it's, it's, that's the point.
1: Yeah. Kubrick wanted Jack Nicholson. And the reason mm-hmm. he wanted Jack Nicholson to he play it for him. is yeah. because he was just crazy enough. And so from the very beginning, you, you get the idea that Jack, the character, is is a little off from the very beginning in yeah. the movie, but not in the book.
0: I think that's one of the things Stephen King's uh Stephen King fought against at the time, even before the movie came out and he realized he'd hate it, is that if you cast Jack Nicholson, everyone will know that he goes insane by the end of the movie. Because <laughs> he's insane at the beginning of the movie. <laughs> I think that Stephen King was fighting for an actor like Christopher Reeve or John Voight to play Jack because they were more of an everyman.
2: So in the book, just again, for those who haven't read it, uh, Jack has a very like complex struggle with alcoholism during the time. So there's like all this stuff that goes on now in the, in the film, Wendy talks about, you know, he was drinking and he accidentally dislocated um, Danny's shoulder. I think in the book, he actually yes. broke his wrist. He broke broke his um, arm. It wasn't it was a like dislocation. A, one of those. Broke his arm. Yeah. And mm. so, um, but they, they don't get into that in the movie. And I, again, I understand part of the reason why, but Jack was not an evil character. I remember having yeah. this sense through the whole book read do I like this man? I think yeah. like that I, I, I'm I sympathizing with him at the very least, much less, you know, I don't hate him. He's not a bad guy. And he wrote him that way. Like he becomes unhinged and like, you know, succumbs to the hotel essentially, but he loved his family and his son. And like, he was upset with himself for those things that, that he, you know, that
0: the darker parts of himself. And he stayed on the wagon.
2: Yes. He did. Even when he was hallucinating the the alcohol that wasn't there, but then it was there, he did.
0: I think uh, I didn't mind Wendy very much, but I really hated Jack Torrance in the movie compared to the book. Another reason, I wish I had watched the movie first, because I, yeah. I love Stanley Kubrick. I love how weird and unsettling his visual language is. Mm-hmm. And so, but I think Shining is Stephen King's best book. Um, the first half of the book has me, uh, my gut is just churning because I'm thinking, oh, I love all three of these characters and Dick Halloran, I guess. Right. Um, but the, especially the three family members is what I'm talking about here, um, that all of them have such complicated, nuanced Uh, human emotions about a complicated situation. And uh, I get the impression that a lot of people, maybe Kubrick included, would say, Oh, Jack is evil. You know, Wendy should leave him. Uh, You know, he's, he's a danger to Danny. And it's like, I'm not saying that that's a a bad thing that could have made sense as a choice, but um, for multiple Uh, believable reasons Wendy stayed with Jack and Jack um, convinced her to do that by working on himself and, and that, that heartbreaking, those heartbreaking moments whenever Wendy, I feel like it is more than once in the book where Wendy sees Danny interact with his father and she thinks he, he loves his father more than he loves me. (laughs) Or something mm-hmm. along those lines, uh, yeah. like he's his father's boy. Yeah. And so I loved Jack Torrance as a character in the mm-hmm. book, and he's nothing. He has no arc. He's yeah. he's just a weirdo from the beginning in the movie. Right.
2: They also, just a small change that feels significant, was that they, like, for no reason, well, I assume it's for no reason, is the book, or uh, in the book the number of the room he wasn't supposed to enter was 217. And in the movie it was 237. Is there a point to that? It just seemed unnecessary. Yeah,
0: The real life reason is that the hotel had a 217, but they didn't have a 237. And they (laughs) thought that guests would be less likely to stay in 217 if it were the horror room in the movie. So, Uh, Kubrick changed it to 237. Ironically, if I'm remembering correctly, the hotel receives more requests
1: for 237 than any other room. I'd like to pop through just a a few differences and try to try to do them fairly quickly. Um, Lightning round. (laughs) Well, Halloran's connection to Danny in the in the movie isn't nearly as familiar they take a lot more time uh, to work through that and i <laughs> That's really how I feel about it i really enjoyed what the what the book had done with it
0: um, i thought it was a good change that <laughs> instead of in the book where he just takes Danny into his car that he is about to drive away from the hotel and talks to him, yeah. <laughs> which I think is incredibly creepy. And Wendy, like, worries about it for a second but doesn't do anything about it. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. so. Wendy worries about it a little bit. But in the movie, he's like, can I get the boy some ice cream? And then I think that makes a lot more sense for a time for Dick to talk to him about The Shining. Mm. But, yes, the connection is definitely not yeah, as strong in the movie.
1: I wish they had done made the connection a little bit stronger. The other thing is... Uh, one thing that just jumped out at me right at the beginning was the fact that the manager in the movie likes Jack. He's happy. Yeah, he's that was he's so weird. Great, yeah. grateful that he's here and all of that. And in the book, um, he only is interviewing him and giving him this job because someone higher up in the ownership of the, of the hotel made them do it. I mean, it was his old
0: drinking buddy Al
1: Shockley. Yeah. And there's, you know, there's a, like whole a board member. plot that, that goes along with that. Um, it connects Jack to Shockton, who was a fellow drinking buddy, but is now part, part owner, major owner in the hotel. Um and so it ties a lot of plot parts together. But in the movie, you've just got Ullman, who is happy that he's here and that all kind of goes away and then kill you your just, family. Yeah. And then you just have the, the maintenance guy who's, who's telling about the boiler and getting it done. So
0: I want to talk about what, what are some of the changes we liked in the movie? Like, um, I think there was, I think King admitted it. Kubrick made some really iconic visuals for the film that were not based on book events. Like here's Jackie. Here's Johnny. And that was improv that, was improvised. that wasn't oh, even Kubrick. Kubrick wanted to cut that because he was from England and he didn't know the reference. Did you know that?
1: Isn't no. that funny? I'd heard
0: that. That's weird. But the hundred pages, I think all work and all work and no play make Jack a dull boy. Oh. I think that that's horrifying. That's a it good is. payoff that to him probably- typing, typing.
1: That is probably the one thing in the movie that stands out to me is as that that is so creepy when Wendy goes to look at this stack of mm-hmm. his his book that he's been working on the script, and it all looks like a script, but it is just continual mm-hmm. all Jack all work and no play makes Jack a dull boy. That's the only thing written and it's typed over and over and over. And that just sends this chill through you. And that's like not that in the book at all. But I like that.
0: Mm-hmm. I like that. There's little oh. letters like he actually typed this. Right, well, and, and typed secretary over it. Yep.
3: Spent hours and hours over weeks typing that out. Oh my gosh!
2: Oh, yeah, because like today you could just easily reproduce that uh-huh. from a computer. But mm-hmm. like,
3: yeah, you could Wow, you would have literally to had dead. to use a
2: typewriter for all that.
3: Yeah.
2: Um, for I was just gonna go through a couple more lightning round items. Uh, so in the movie, you don't learn anything about the fact that Jack has a pretty traumatic childhood and, an abusive father, um, again, just kind of into his, there's less depth there in the movie. Um, the weapon choices of, of Jack's were different. So in the movie he uses an ax that's very iconic. There's that meme from the here's Johnny moment, um, and he, you know, breaks through the doors in the book. He's using a rogue mallet. I'll also say weapon differences. Uh, Wendy, she also grabs a knife in the, um, I guess it's not kitchen. so much a weapon difference. She grabs a knife in the kitchen, but she actually stabs Jack in, the, in back, the back and he walks around with a knife poking out of his back in the book for a very mm. long period of time that they don't show in the movie at all. Um, Couple of other little changes. Danny uh grows over time to become more in command of his shining. Um yes. and in the movie, he like when he shines to Halloran to tell him what's going on all the way in Florida, he looks like he's essentially having like a seizure or it was like a very intense mm-hmm. kind of thing. And it doesn't look until the very end that he connects with that.
0: About things I liked about the movie that weren't necessarily in the book, I like um you know if you're translating it to a visual medium i appreciate how uh Stanley Kubrick translated the isolation in the opening sequence of them driving up the hill with this ominous music that yes. the first time i heard it i was like is that really the music they're choosing but <laughs> honestly it's it's very uniquely ominous in a way that yeah. um I'm always listening for music that sounds different than stuff I've heard. And so I, I don't really think that's a style that has been <laughs> replicated. Uh, re- that and Blade Runner, you know, Blade Runner more so, but I like that unique music to set the tone. But I also like the, um, some of the shots, the one of my favorite shots in the movie of a lot of, I don't want to say of all time, but I really love how the camera follows Jack slamming the axe into the door Mm -hmm. that makes it feel like the camera is almost slamming the axe into the door and maybe it makes you Mm -hmm. well first of all it makes you feel the impact more but is is it like the camera are the spirits in the hotel uh, possessing Jack to swing the axe there's there's things that makes you think and feel that I I really appreciate and and my final one that I just thought of was Danny riding his little tricycle through the hallways. Big wheel. I think that's so big wheels. That's what you should call it. Exactly. Mm -hmm. You guys Um, both had one. Oh, (laughs) we're so cute. I don't know if we ever stayed in a hotel and drove through the hallways, but Uh, no, you wouldn't have done that. (laughs) (laughs) I love him driving through the hallways and making you feel uh, like it's a labyrinth, which now that I say that it kind of makes the hedge maze uh, feel more irrelevant (laughs) because you already had a (laughs) labyrinthine uh, hotel, but he's going through it. It makes you feel lonely. It makes you feel lost. It makes you feel disoriented. And it's unsettling that you're following him for so long with very little happening. Uh, I just think there's some really iconic visual moments that Kubrick achieved.
3: I was so anxious every time he would head to a corner. So I loved Mm -hmm. that because you knew, and Mm -hmm. most of the time, obviously except the few times where he would turn and the creepy sisters would be there it it was a great way to make you feel unsettled um
2: oh my gosh speaking of that we didn't mention just as a kind of last change kind of thing there's a few other little ones but the sisters the whole like twins thing that is movie only that is not a thing like ha, Grady, who was the manager who the killed girls. his kids, yeah, yeah. yeah. So that part twins. is true, but they aren't twins in the book, and they don't appear to Danny like right. that at all in the thing. book. So that's a that's a movie. Which I would say to, to Josiah's question, I would say one of my favorite changes. I did think that the twins thing and like their constant reappearance was very creepy, and I thought it went very well. Like I think it was effective. So,
0: yeah, I didn't, I didn't think like the first couple times I saw them, I didn't think, oh, that's the last person's daughters. But then you see the flash of them dead in the hallway and you're like, oh, that I I completely understand. So it took me a second and then it made me feel smart.
1: One of the, one of the things that, that runs throughout the book, but makes, uh, makes a surprise appearance, you know, way into the movie is Red Rum. Now, at this point, Mm -hmm. most people who who have lived in the united states know that red rum is murder spelled backwards but uh that was apparently not not the thing because although red rum starts uh, appears on page 23 uh it continues throughout the the book but you don't realize that it's murder until danny sees it in a mirror he sees it backwards in the movie Danny writes it which there again makes him seem like he's simply possessed um and yeah. his mom sees sees it in the mirror and realizes yeah. what that is but it's a it's one of those things that um was probably very surprising for the readers the first time but of course because the movie is so iconic and that's one of the iconic things about the movie Um, it's, it's not something you can read the book now and not realize. Cause as soon as they said red rum, I thought, oh, I know what that is. That's murder spelled backwards (laughs) because culturally that's become, you know, such a part of our culture. I found it interesting that the, the motion picture association of America, uh, did not want to run the trailer to allow the trailer because it included this scene where something splashes on the wall, a big splash on the wall. And Kubrick got them to do it because uh, they initially thought that it looked like blood, and he said, well, actually, it's just rusty water. So they allowed him to use it in the trailer. Um, I think it's supposed to be representative (laughs) of blood, but I think he pulled a fast one.
2: That's so interesting. Um, I also... Loved that Kubrick, despite all of the crazy things that he did to adult people, um, he tried to protect the child actor Danny Lloyd, yes. who played the character of Danny. Also, how interesting is it that Jack and Danny were both played by actors with the first names of Jack and Danny? I think yeah, that's, that's very that's fascinating. Mm-hmm. And I he think only, Danny he only
1: made one more movie, right? Danny, right? Only so made he one more was movie.
2: not interested. He was not interested in being an actor um after this period although he was in dr sleep like i think he's listed as like a spectator so i think that he may be like kind of off to the side somewhere i've never seen dr sleep so i'm not sure but uh kubrick despite whatever failings he also had he protected the boy and so the the child danny lloyd thought that he was filming a drama he did not realize that he was in a horror movie and so they aimed to protect him from a lot of that which i think is interesting. Yep. And i wouldn't have known that watching the movie and so they did a good job of still helping like, directing things. him well, yeah. you
3: know. Another thing about actors in the movie speaking of him not going on you know in that career, mm-hmm. the two women that were in the in the two in room 237, the old and the young. This is the only film they were ever in. They were never in another movie. That's bonkers. Yeah. That's really wild. I don't know. I'm like,
2: um, pick I, this one, I, <laughs> this is your one pick. Yeah. So like this one woman, Leah Beldum, apparently was just like nude for several straight minutes and like yeah. started making out with Jack Nicholson. <laughs> yeah. And then that was it. She was like, you know what? I'm done. That's funny. That's fascinating. Um, I also thought this was really interesting. Uh, When Jack breaks down the bathroom door, you know, in that very iconic scene, Mm -hmm. the props department had built a door that he could break easily. But because he'd worked as a fire marshal voluntarily uh, before, he tore the prop door open too easily. So they had to literally build a stronger door to make it look more realistic.
0: (laughs) Yes. Yep.
2: Okay. So I want to know everyone's final verdict. Do we think... That the book was really better.
0: Uh, My final verdict is that the book is better. I love the movie's iconic and unique and evocative visual language. I like the Stanley Kubrickism of it. I like how weird and unsettling it is and how uh, I already said how unique it is. But I really don't care about the character of Jack. I barely care about the characters of Wendy, Danny, and Dick Halloran, whereas in the book it is one of the most gripping character tales I have ever read, especially the first two-thirds of the book. Um, I didn't care as much about the horror <laughs> of the book. I almost wished it was a straight drama, and I would have absolutely loved it. But I don't think it's Kubrick's best film. It might. It's probably in his top three or four but I do think it's Stephen King's best book and, um, the, it is, or it is really great. The book, it, the, the book is, I don't know if you know, the book is his longest book, Stephen King's longest book. It's enormous. Um, but the shining book gets into these people's internal monologues and makes me care about them. I'm trying to think of a book that makes me care more about its core cast. Um, and it's it's a struggle. I really, really like The Shining book. And honestly, my biggest problem with it is that Jack dies. Um, and although he does sacrifice himself to give Danny extra time to escape from the rest of the spirits, um, which is a redemption in its own right, I don't really... Um, I think that him killing himself to sacrifice himself for his son, I think is inevitably kind of a cynical look at how alcoholism can affect a father-son relationship. And it it seems so dumb to like connect this horror moment to that. But you, you he is, King is making these statements about what it's like to deal with alcoholism. He wrote it while he was dealing with alcoholism.
3: I don't want my answer to be the same, I mean, we only have two choices. There's four of us, right? But...
2: You know we named this podcast The Book is
3: Better. (laughs) Like, Uh, so it's... it's okay. The book just is broader. You read it, and it's unsettling, and there's creepy parts in it. It's a creepy theme. But you genuinely are cheering for these characters to make it. King establishes them very well. Um, And I'd mentioned before, the audiobook reader... He does a great job of them, Danny. He just he just gives this beautiful character to Danny that you envision. So, I'm I'm definitely going to go with the book on this one. Kudos to King.
2: I'm going to say, um, I mean, I said it the first episode, and it's probably still true for the most part. Now that we know biographies are my exception so far, <laughs> um, I mean, I always think the book is better. I think that this book had deep, complex characters with really interesting character development. As Josiah said, I cared about them. Like I loved Danny. I, the, like one of the changes we didn't even discuss in great detail was, you know, literally at the end of the book, like Jack comes, like Danny realizes that Jack is not his dad anymore. Like he realizes that he's now the hotel and he starts saying, you're not my dad. And they like in the book, King starts referring to Jack with the pronoun of it. He doesn't even call him a him anymore. I mean, you know, and, and it's very clear and, Jack stops and there's like a point where he comes back to himself for just a moment before Mm -hmm. he was going to attack Danny. And he says, run. Yes. And so he tells his son to run, tries to save his life. And it's like this really poetic, like, I don't know. It was just really beautiful. And so redemptive, Yeah, I I felt like the book was just better in making me like I was Halloran should have lived. Like I I understand the whole like subversion of your expectations that we discussed, but like I thought that Halloran should have lived. He was built in as this character that meant something, whether or not he arrived and the family was dead. Like I liked that he lived in the book and and all that. So my final verdict is definitely that I prefer the book to the movie, but, you know, with the appropriate audience a rewatchable movie that's like really psychologically weird, you know? Mm-hmm. And so yeah. it's definitely a rewatchable movie. I, I enjoy the movie. So it's not to say that it, it was bad. I just prefer
1: reading. Well, for me, I suppose uh, my verdict is is not all that dissimilar from Rebecca's. The book, though it was difficult to read, and I, and I do audiobook uh, now most of the time, and there were a lot of times where I thought... I don't want to listen to it. I've got the time, but I don't want to listen to it now. Um, but it, it really did develop the characters and I I really did care about the characters. One thing about the movie though, um, is that despite the fact that it came out in 1980 uh, and that was a long time ago, um, it Mm -hmm. still holds up. I mean, it, it, The things in it hold up well enough that you could a modern audience could watch it and and enjoy it. But I do definitely think the the book is better. Yeah, I like the book better, but the movie certainly stands up the test of time so far.
2: Well, thanks for listening. If you have feedback, questions, or future episode ideas, email us at bookisbetterpod at gmail.com. We can be found most places online at bookisbetterpod. Please leave us a rating and review anywhere you listen to podcasts. It helps us so much. And in two weeks, we're going to start reviewing the Twilight series. Until then, stay spooky.
1: Bye, y'all.